0: welcome to the hoops and huddle podcast thank you for joining us i am malika walker and he is as
1: usual as usual it's me B math i also host a lot of content around the rubric uh, but we back at it again malika we at week two we doing it Uh And thank
0: you for, thank you guys for being on this journey with us where we will explore sports and its impact on culture. Um, Now, of course, we're hoops fans, but even bigger sports fanatics, we watch everything. Um, But we'll spend a lot of time on NBA, um, NFL, football, basically hoops, all levels and football, all levels. Um, We're going to dive into, you know, hot topics, some trends, look back in the past um, at some of the greats of the game, some great moments, talk about the business side of sports, you name it, we're, we're going to be covering it. Today, we're excited to talk about March Madness, that'll come a little later, but figure we'll get started and talk about, you know, top of mind for me is this NBA MVP that's coming up. I feel like, um, you know, like there was a straw poll done and Nikola Nikola Jokic was like the clear leader. Like it was like he had over 70% of that straw poll, which at the time I was like, how would you have Joel Embiid and Giannis that are also having great seasons? But now it looks like Joel Embiid has taken over the lead for uh, NBA MVP. Um, Nikola Jokic is still in there, but... I feel like it's it's it looks more like a real kind of you know, before it was just too it was too towards Jokic when you had the play of Embiid and, and Giannis that was so good all season as well. Now it looks like a more fair view, not just because Embiid is in a league, it just looks like the percentages look fair. You look at the play and the teams and the records and what these players are doing in that time. It, it just makes sense. And Jokic is an amazing player. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the playoffs. But I but Embiid, that the, or, but Embiid is definitely my choice for MVP. Um, I think this season, he's had an amazing season. And I will go on record that I did think he should have been an MVP last season. I know there are many who disagree on that. But I will say, um you know, in, the way Embiid is playing, whew you know what I mean? Like, he keeps this up. He can actually win the MVP this year. What is? Who is your choice for MVP this season?
1: I got to go with the Joker. Okay. I gotta, okay. And I got to eat crow. And I got to because I did have Jason Tatum in my list when we did the last show. Right. Uh, but since, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely for the Joker. Uh, I could see if MB gets it, but I struggle with MB getting it over the dude who's leading one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, that's just my own personal criteria. Doesn't mean it has to be universal, but that's just how I see it today.
0: That makes sense. But we'll see what happens and who ends up winning the award. But right now, Embiid being in the lead makes makes sense to me. Um, okay. We'll see how it goes. But I'm Team Embiid. Your Team Jokic Joker, and um, we'll see how how we'll see what happens. Uh, now what's going on in huddle news for you what are you feeling about
1: the huddle news I'm still paying attention to Lamar Jackson I think that's a very very interesting story Uh, not just for football because that's an example of what pro sports looks like when as players take more of their ownership around their deals and their contracts but I also think it's affecting his ability to get a deal done because he's not an agent Yep. Yep. He doesn't have the expertise of an agent. In fact, I saw a report today uh, that someone on his team has reached out to like three or four teams. Those teams won't even talk to them because they're not certified with the NFLPA or they're not certified. He also put out
0: a tweet with some laughing emojis or something earlier. So, is he? you know, was that tweet basically saying that that report isn't accurate? I
1: don't know if it is or isn't, but it is a fact that teams won't talk to anybody that's not associated with the NBA. I mean, with the NFL. Got it. So he's working against himself because nobody wants to sit down and do business with them unless they talk to him. He's the only one a team can talk to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's going to be interesting to see how that gets handled. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Now, before we go, the other thing that I, I saw was very interesting. We had a melody on last week. On our last show, and we were talking about injury and things of that nature. Yeah, and in baseball, we just saw yet another case of that. We see in football, guys don't want to play in preseason, in the NBA, they want to be careful in the off season And here you go, you have Edwin Diaz, one of the best players with the Mets, uh, was playing in the uh World Baseball Classic, yeah. and
0: yeah, he got an
1: injury. And he's out for the year he's out for out. the
0: season i feel bad for mets fans done. um feel done. so bad for mets fans he's done um done. that is so sad to see uh, the new york yankee, yeah. and the yankee fan but the yankee met um fans you know like when they played each other and just the, you know like a little bit of a rivalry um sorry that we won't see edwin diaz on the we won't see him on the court that's it's yeah. tragic yeah
1: that's tough i mean it is- this guy, you know, is sitting on a hefty contract, and it's with a lot of professional teams. It's not unique to NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever. How do they handle? You know, Chet Holmgren. We saw that with Chet, right? Didn't yep, even get yep. out of. Didn't even get out of summer league. Okay, but yeah, that's something we're gonna take a look at. But we wanna uh, let's jump to what we're really here for. We here to talk let's about let jump March- to
0: let's jump to March Madness. Let's let's jump into it. So. You know, we're about to have E.K. Johnson, who is Coalition Hoops, all on, you know, Twitter and social media. He loves March Madness. He has his own, you know, platform where he talks about college. So we're going to bring College Hoops. So let's bring him in. Let him introduce himself and let's get going talking about the tournament.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it.
0: All right. Hey, E.K., what's up? Okay, you there?
2: Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Hello. How are you Hold on doing? one second. My, uh...
0: No, no, it's okay. There we go. How are you doing? I'm
2: doing well. How are you doing?
0: No, we good. We're excited to talk to you about the tournament. I know this yeah, is your course. thing, looking at your tweets, looking at this, how excited you are, how excited yes, man. you were before the tournament spoke and we were talking on Hoops Faces about it. Yeah. And um am just excited that you're here joining Brandon and I talking about the tournament. I'm ready to get into it. So when you look at March Madness, this, this, you know, when you, when the season, when this March Madness started, mm-hmm. you know, like, who are you looking, you know, like, how were you viewing the tournament this year? Like, what was your outlook on it? And how did it play out? We're going to get deeper into it, but for men's. How did it play out for the men's and women's on a high level?
2: So for the men, um, how did
0: you think it was going to play out? Like, how did you think it was going to begin? Like, did you have a vision (laughs) of who was going to make it out of the weekend? Like, and then we can get into upsets a little bit and and bounce around.
2: Of course. Um, First of all, thank you guys for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Um, Obviously, I've spoken to you, Malika, on several occasions. Mm -hmm. Brandon, this is the first time I'm meeting you. Uh, how you doing, brother? hope everything's well with you. All good, my man. All good. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Let us know
1: but- a little bit about who you are, your background, just so we give folks a sense of, and where you at as well. Oh, of of course, of course.
2: Yep. Of course, yeah. So uh, my background is, uh, I played, I've been playing basketball all my life. I played in high school. Wasn't good enough to play in college, but um, that's where the love of college basketball sort of came from. Uh, mm-hmm. So my first school I went to was Mount St. Mary's University. In the year before i went there mount saint mary's university this is back when they were still in the nec they had won their nec conference championship this is back in 07 and they played north Carolina in the first round and got destroyed but <laughs> um knowing that i was going to go to that school a year later um that's where the love of college basketball sort of just sparked for okay. me and i've just been following it ever since um But I actually uh, started uh, I guess you could call it a fringe independent media company called the Hoop Coalition where I uh, look at college basketball men's and women's is also I analyzed uh, the NBA as well Uh, as well as FIBA and and also the um,
0: the AU Pro Hoops
2: exactly yeah which is awesome Uh, anybody who's not in tune with Athletes Unlimited which is basically where all the dopest women Uh, Mm -hmm. in the off season they play yeah um yeah and And i think Mm -hmm. they're in their second season uh, so i'm gonna be i'm gonna start covering that as well but i started that about a year ago and uh, you know tapped in with you know malika and also uh chris barnett who is hoop spaces and some other people and you know just trying to push this thing forward i think we all want to have a basketball conversation that isn't so first take ish or undisputed ish Mm -hmm. Uh, we want to have some uh, some intelligent basketball conversation uh, that's objective. It's not just about hot takes. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. But um, Malika, to answer your question about the tournament, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to get too nerdy. But before the tournament started, obviously I filled out a bracket. Typically, mm-hmm. I would fill out multiple brackets, but because of what I do now, I thought that would be a little bit cheap. So I only filled out one, and I did a lot of research. And lo and behold, um, it kind of got thrown out the window the first two hours of the tournament, (laughs) (laughs) like like most people, um, right? Pretty much,
0: because the first day we had some interesting um, results. But yes,
2: yes, and I think the biggest, obviously, the biggest results were probably uh Furman over uh Virginia.
3: Yeah. Right. Yep, uh yep. That, was,
2: that was that was that was a huge one. Uh I would definitely say FDU over Purdue. That was more of a disappointment for me. Uh
1: because I Purdue is
0: because Jersey all day. You know so like, there you so, go. Listen. So. I can't
1: <laughs> I have to be honest, I didn't know where Farley Dickinson was. I was like uh
2: I don't
0: mm-hmm. it's a Jersey school. It's a jersey I school with a
2: person place or thing.
0: Yeah mm-hmm, it's a jersey mm-hmm. school. Listen,
2: these Jersey schools they don't play. Yeah. St.
0: Peter's last year, yeah. Fairly
2: Dickinson, you know. Yeah, Fairly Dickinson
0: don't... beating Purdue was crazy. Like I, I did have Purdue. I didn't have Purdue, even though they're number one seed. I didn't have them making the elite eight. I really didn't. Like um, I had them getting to the sixteen, but Likewise. for them to for them to not even win their first game and their number one seed, wow.
2: Yeah, and what a lot of people don't realize is that so they're in the NEC right they mm-hmm. didn't win their nec champion they didn't win their conference championship okay so mm-hmm. mary Mack won the conference the nec championship however right. this is their first year in division one so the rule is that when you're going from division two to division one even if you win your conference championship you cannot participate in the ncw tournament yes that's a rule Say that
1: one more time say that one more time Let me make sure.
2: so so when you transfer when the school transfers from division one to the i mean division two to division one and they win their conference championship during the first year in division one they yep. cannot go to the tournament oh yeah
0: interesting okay they cannot
2: go to the tournament at if you ask me why i don't know because i don't work on the ncaa committee i think it's ridiculous mm-hmm. i think it's ridiculous so they actually lost to the runner-up <laughs> which is worse
3: mm-hmm. they lost to mm-hmm. the,
2: they, yeah they lost to a team that didn't win their conference championship right so i mean for purdue i think it's a long line of just disappointing postseason this is the third time in four years i believe where they've been eliminated by a double-digit seed while being a single-digit seed it's just um wow you know it's very very it, it's tough over there and i think some wholesale changes are going to need to be made um in order for them to get back on track um
0: what do you but, think about
2: but okay. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm
0: sorry. What do you think about Arizona losing to Princeton? Another Jersey school. But what did you think of That one was another upset that I was like, okay. I did pick that upset, though. I get over because Jersey, I went with the, with the heart, Jersey, you know, yeah. but um, I did pick that upset. So it didn't, my my bracket wasn't shattered. Put it exactly.
2: Down. I wasn't surprised by it. Uh, I think a lot of people who have been watching Princeton all year, the thing about mm. Princeton is that they can shoot the basketball right Mm -hmm. they have the ability to stretch the floor and in the tournament when you're talking about a one-game elimination tournament typically in the uh, teams who have the ability to shoot the ball they can stretch the floor Mm -hmm. uh provide you know some pressure on the perimeter you know Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to you know get out to early leads and be able to withstand those early leads and that's what Princeton was able to do I wasn't necessarily surprised by that uh by that upset because I've watched Princeton a bunch and they got some guys who can shoot the basketball, they can stretch the floor, they know how to move, they can cut without the basketball. They just play very, very good, solid team basketball, and it's hard to prepare for that off of one game, right? That's why March Madness is coined March Madness because not the like the best team doesn't always win. It's the best team on that particular
3: day. Yes, it doesn't win. You yes. Know? it's,
2: the, it's best the best team. team on that particular day. This isn't the NBA where it's a seven game series, right? Where you can say, mm-hmm. well, you know, you got to beat somebody four times okay you know so i How think would you
1: characterize the the quality of play
2: uh in the tournament so far oh it's been amazing it's been amazing so i think what happened was when the transfer portal opened up mm-hmm. it provided an avenue for individual for players who say had top who had top level talent we're talking about big 12 talent big 10 talent big east talent acc talent you know the big conferences
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, to be able to say, listen, I'm not I'm, I'm not necessarily getting the playing time I want. Let me go to a smaller mid-major school because I have the ability to now because the transfer portal is so open. Let me go to a Furman. Let me go to an FDU. Right. Let me go to a Princeton where I can display my abilities, my top five, you know, my top, my top abilities that normally would be not necessarily wasted. But at the same time, they would they wouldn't be displayed in the way they would be displayed if i was at like an acc a big acc school like a duke or north carolina or something like that for example there's a player um, by the name of uh primo spears he plays for uh the georgetown Hoyas. now the georgetown Hoyas are absolutely horrible they've been horrible for the past two years you're probably wondering why i'm bringing this up primo spears he started at duquesne right and at Duquesne he was averaging like nine points off the bench he wasn't really getting a lot of playing time he goes to Georgetown all of a sudden he's averaging 17 points per game now that's just a small example of a player who has that ability to flourish in a big conference mm-hmm. transferring from a smaller school to a bigger school because Georgetown was in flux a lot of times it's these guys transferring from bigger schools to smaller schools to mid-major schools which is provided more parity and it spread out the um the talent amongst the NCAA, right? And then with the NIL deals coming in, the the NIL deals coming in for a lot of these schools, it just makes the parity a lot better and it kind of evens the playing field. So now all of a sudden, you got a guy like John Calipari who had another disappointing, you know, sort of end to the season. He's not going to be getting all the top recruits, right? Because one of the recent, you know, issues in the NCAA tournament, and also you have a lot of these other schools who can offer more playing time with NIL money yep. and the pressure isn't there and the competition may not be as great as it is in the SEC so they'll be able to sort of flourish a little bit more so I think the quality of play has been amazing amazing
1: I also wondered if as I've been looking at it if the opportunity for the best talent in elite basketball period AU high school they're not necessarily going to college anymore in the same fashion that they were you got a lot of guys that are Going like I was surprised to see Chris Livingston choose to go to Kentucky. He's from Akron, Ohio. He played at Bucknell. he played at um uh, did he play at C V C A for a little bit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had an
0: opportunity.
3: Okay. I found to this go on the web to, for Hey for um, a little bit. Oh there goes. Siri. Yeah,
0: <laughs> oh my god. Bye Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Siri.
1: And I wonder if that has to do with why there's so much parody in college ball as well. Because yeah. if you look at the draft, the in, upcoming NBA draft, you got yeah. five guys. They're not coming from college. They're coming from overtime elite, international ball. Yep. We saw Ignite, maybe, with uh, um, all those players coming out. Yeah, Ignite, mm-hmm. School Henderson. I'm here in Vegas. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I also wondered if that has played into why you see so
2: much shift in the tournament as well. Yeah. Well, I think that is an. that's not an entirely different conversation, but it's a conversation that's worth having, right? Because I think another reason why NIL is so important is because it gives a lot of these players incentive to want to still go to college, right? Mm -hmm. Look at some of the, look at LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball never went to college, right? He played for an Australian team before going into the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. Look at Jalen Green, I'm a Houston Rockets fan. So I was following Jalen Green a year before we drafted him. He didn't go to college, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Scoot Henderson, obviously. Mm -hmm. he's 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 with the ignite right now he's gonna be a top three pick yeah right and not to mention guys who may be coming from overseas like a women right who's gonna be the number one pick Mm -hmm. so i think it kind of depends because if these guys if if more of these guys come out and they're doing it in a non-traditional way and they have success at the ultimate level all it's gonna do is open the doors for more players to say listen When I get out of high school, I don't necessarily want to go into the college system. Um, I want to maybe go play professionally, maybe in Australia, maybe in Europe somewhere, or maybe I could just play for the G League night because that gives me an opportunity, a one-way opportunity to hone my skills against NBA-level-ish talent without having to worry about college classes and things of that nature. Um, And I could just hone my skills for the upcoming draft. Okay. Right. So... I definitely feel like it plays a part, um, but I think it, as time goes on, we're going to see more players uh, sort of say, you know what, I'm going to forego college because I think guys like Scoot, Yama, uh those guys are going to be really, really good players. I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to be bust or anything like that. And no, they're not. That
0: le- I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: No, so no, yeah, and they're not doing the traditional college
0: route, so. Sorry, but sorry for cutting you off. No, it's fine. Is it's that leading legal. to the death of the Blue Bloods? <laughs> like the <laughs> fact that, you know, like Duke and North Carolina, you know, like they were like the perennial teams, the top talent went to, especially with the legacy of both teams. North yeah. Carolina's not even in a tournament this year. It's um which is insane to me when you look at the landscape of yeah. college college balls for men specifically because we gonna get to the women shortly oh yeah because we need we need to talk about the next round before we go there real quick um Mm -hmm. but what do you think about the blue bloods and do you think they can bounce back north carolina Uh, is a perfect example of where we are right now
2: so it's funny because i think i was having a conversation with somebody about this with one of my friends about this the other day and then i think chris brought it up um he did he brought it up briefly Mm-hmm. Um, about the aging out of the not the, the the college coaches who were institutions, right? I'm 32 years old, so the college guys I grew up on that were still pretty much coaching up until maybe five years ago to now, Mike Tirico, Jim Beheim, Jim Calhoun, and uh, Roy Williams, yeah. right? And um, and I would say Rick Patino, but he's still. I mean, he he actually just got a job at St. John's, but he's like 70. I think he should have been gone a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just me personally
0: that's a whole another topic but I yeah.
2: agree, I agree. I, Iona gave him that opportunity and he did some great things with Iona so I can't be too mad at him um but yeah those four guys when you think of those guys you think okay these are the guys that were the standard bearers in coaching uh, even if you want to go to a guy like a Jay Wright who coached for so long at uh at Gonzaga uh, at, at, you know Gonzaga right or at Nova sorry at Nova um but I think the Blue Bloods, when Mike Krzyzewski leaves, it's not just Mike Krzyzewski leaving. It's the institution because yes. he is the Blue Blood. Yes. Right? Jim Behan now saying, okay, I'm going to – Roy Williams
0: King. the year before.
2: Exactly. And then you got mm-hmm. guys like Shirt sure, taking over for Duke. I think he's done a great job with Duke. Hubert Davis. Uh, yeah. It's unfortunate what happened with, uh, with North Carolina because, you know, you, you make your run last year. In the tournament last year, you're projected number one, projected no, projected preseason number one. You don't make the tournament. That has happened since 1972-73. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. It's been
2: that long, right? But he's a first-year coach. He's replacing a legendary coach, right? So when Roy Williams leaves, it's not just Roy Williams leaving. It's the institution of what UNC yeah. basketball has been for the yeah. better part of 20-25 years. Yeah, right. And when that happens. Yeah. All of a sudden, you got a new system, new, philo- new philosophy, and whether you have the same players or different players, the fact is that new system and new philosophy is going to take time to sort of in- be integrated and you know be a uh, sort of accepted by everybody, right? Because these college programs, it's not just about the players and the coaches. You got the boosters, you got the alumni. Oh yeah, you got the, you, know, you got everybody sort of having yeah. an influence. <laughs> what's going on so <laughs>
0: this is the college season moneymaker like for, for 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 yep this is this is that time um yeah man it's crazy yeah, i wanted so, you to allude to what we saw with uh kansas going down um to arkansas to arkansas yeah, to arkansas. yeah so what do you think about uconn
2: on- oh i love Yukon? oh boy uconn is so good jordan hawkins is amazing adama sunogo so I think he may be the best uh, behind Drew Timmy. I think he may be the best player left in the NCAA tournament.
1: Mm-hmm. If I had to mm-hmm. go with
2: like five players that I think are the best left in no particular order, obviously, Adama Sinogo, Drew Timmy, Jaime uh, Jaime uh, Jaquez Jr. out of UCLA, um, Brandon Miller, obviously of Alabama, and probably Marcus Sasser of Houston.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: those are the top five guys for me that are left. Uh, Adamo is amazing, man. I mean, He, so we're all, I'm assuming we've all seen the Mecca Okafor when he was at UConn. Oh yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he has the same defensive ability that Mecca had in that 4 season, but offensively and strength-wise, he just overpowers guys. I mean, he just overpowers guys. If if he's one-on-one on on the block, on either side, he can finish over either shoulder. He can finish with either hand. He's a great pick and roll uh, finisher as well. And he has the ability to step back and hit a mid-range every every now and again, right? So I think Adama Lenogo is awesome. I absolutely love UConn, and they got some really good wings. Like I said, Jordan Hawkins, he's amazing. Um, he's a really really good wing. I really really like their team. And um, I don't have them. I, well, I, I'm sorry. I do have them in the Final Four. I have them in my Final Four because
0: okay, Damn, I have them in my Final Four as well.
2: Yeah, they're really good.
0: Where really did you have Kansas? That, that, like, it is Kansas? Good. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brandon. Right. Where where did you have Kansas? I
2: had Kansas losing. Uh, I had Kansas losing in Sweet Sixteen. So okay. I had Kansas losing this this, this upcoming weekend, weekend coming up. Upcoming. Yeah. Week. So they lost a little bit earlier than I thought they were gonna lose. But listen, man, Arkansas. I've been telling people about Arkansas. I think Eric. Mus- I think Eric Musselman is probably one of the best co- best college coaches. Uh, now, like during this during this time. And also, uh, Ricky Council, Ricky Council is amazing. I don't know if you guys have got a chance to watch him play. Ricky Council is the fourth. He's a really, really good guard. He puts pressure on the rim. He puts pressure on opposing backboards because of how fast and athletic he is. And he has the ability to create space and create his own shot. And when you have guys in a one-game elimination tournament who can create their own shot consistently, I'm talking about if you're coming off of a pick and roll and they're playing drop or if they're playing up, they can either split it, or if you're playing drop, they could just hit the 15 footer. Um, that's dangerous, and uh, you know he has that. Tyson uh, Tyson Walker from Michigan State has that. You know there are, there are a couple there are a couple, couple other guards in this tournament still that had that ability. Obviously Marquise uh, Noel from Kansas State, he has that in full and in, in, in spades because he's absolutely amazing as well. Point guard, a uh, point guard from New York actually. So yeah, when you have that ability, man, it makes it tough. It makes it tough at kansas mm-hmm. unfortunately they don't necessarily have like they have jalen wilson who's awesome they have grady dick who's amazing and they have some good uh uh interior players but as far as like perimeter defenders and perimeter guards who the defend, um yeah they, they didn't have the speed the athleticism to keep up with arkansas so i wasn't really surprised necessarily when i saw the game play out but you know i had kansas losing this upcoming weekend
0: So you didn't have him going further in your bracket. You you had before we move on to looking at who he has for the final four and who he has winning um, the championship. Friend,
1: yeah. I just wondered from your point of view. You did your bracket Mm pre-tournament. Now that you've seen some games played into the season, who have you been most impressed with in terms of holistic team? I know the specific players that are just mm-hmm. dominant across the board but specific teams that you look at and say this is a quality program this is going to be something we're going to see the this school again this isn't a one-time shot uh or some disappointments on the on the flip side some disappointments you're like ah, i thought this program was better than what they showed up
2: like who, who would be those two extremes for you okay so obviously purdue is probably the biggest disappointment for me um uh, okay. just because i love zach evie um I, I i think he was wasted uh, i think he's been wasted to be completely honest this this year he was the probably the most dominant he's ever been and the fact that he had 21 and 11 in that game and he only had and he only had 11 shots he only had 11 field goals right the uh, uh, the the purdue guards had a really tough time trying to you know feed him the ball off on post entry passes from either side of the floor. Um, and also, Purdue's not a very good three-point shooting team on the year. I, I believe they shot around thirty-one and a half percent from three, so they're not a very good three-point shooting team. So when Zach Eady was taken away, all of a sudden they didn't have the ability to convert on the perimeter. Damn. And you know, fairly, you know, fairly Dickinson. The one thing about them, they're athletic and they can get up and down, and they can defend at a high level. And we saw that, especially towards the end of that game. Uh, so Purdue would probably be my biggest disappointment. If I had to go with a team or a program that I really, really like, I would probably have to go with uh, with Michigan State. Ooh. Um, I've been telling people about, about Michigan State's probably since January ish. They got a couple of pro pro level guys on their team. Miami does as well. Uh, like with like Miami has like Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller and all these guys who are awesome uh but Michigan State man they got like I said Tyson Walker who's I think one of the best shot creating guards left in the tournament um they got uh um this guy named um I forgot his first name but his last name is uh he has a, he's, he's a big man his name is Suzoko uh he's a shot blocking machine uh he has the ability to finish at the rim uh he can finish over either shoulder he can finish with both hands in the pick and roll and also in the short roll as well um then you got Malik Hall A.J. Hoggard, those are all Michigan State guys. And, um, you know, obviously with Tom Izzo being your coach, you know, you're going to have a strong foundation. And I feel like those guys have really, really set that Michigan State uh, program apart. They're, they're a seven seed, but they've been playing like a four or three. <laughs> right. Yeah, they've been playing like a four or three. So I would probably say Michigan State. I love the way they play, man. They play really, really well. I like them.
0: That's not who do you have in final four and who do you have winning the championship? And then we'll move on to the women's side.
2: Yeah, so final four I've got obviously Bama, Mm-hmm.
3: I've
2: got Michigan State, okay, I've got Houston, all right, yeah, uh, uh, and I got UConn, okay, right. So, I so then in the championship game, I've got Bama and I've got Houston, okay, and then. Purely because of the home court advantage, I'm going with Houston because the NCAA tournament, the championship, is taking is you know it's taking place in Houston, Texas. Yep. So they're going to have that home that home crowd advantage. Um, I think Marcus. I, I, I think it's going to be a very very close game. Um, but I think in the end, I think Houston will be able to overpower sort of the overpowered offense of Alabama. Um, yeah, so that's what I got. Win. I got Houston going all the way and winning. Yeah, that's Houston's spot picked as well. Yeah. That's I had. Oh really? Yeah. Houston's good, man. They're they've been good all year. They've been great all year. Other than Purdue, they were probably they had the longest stint as a number one seed other than Purdue in the regular season. See, yeah, they're good. They're a really good team. Whew. They are. They are. I've been impressed.
0: Let's move over to the women's side. Um I personally love enjoy I enjoy watching the women's tournament because with the women's tournament they can't come out early so you have um senior classmen playing and they shine in in the tournament you have to me the women's side has more skilled players there they're more seasoned um they're more fundamentally sound and I love watching um especially a defensive team where it is going to be like heck scoring on them like oh Miss um, you know, like um oh, this is my daughter. Hey baby girl No problem. <laughs> <laughs> She's a cutie. Hey sweetie, um, God, you want me to change it
2: for you? Hold on one second. Okay. There you go.
0: Okay. So right, I you know, I was curious. Like personally I wasn't surprised with with the women's side, I feel like they're they're usually not I mean, you have upsets and so we definitely had some, but there you know, the one that I was the most shocked by like the first night Mm -hmm. in terms of upsets uh probably creighton um i didn't have creighton losing um in the in the first round um i was curious the rest of it played out the way the first round nothing that really shakes the tree really georgia you know like georgia winning is not a shock um we're curious of how you saw the first round of the women's tournament so Creighton that was probably
2: so obviously you've got FGCU Florida Gulf Coast they beat Washington State um, I thought that was a pretty impressive victory uh, I wasn't necessarily surprised because they they turned out some very very good players I don't know if you're familiar with Kirsten Bell she plays for the Las yes. Vegas Aces Yeah. she plays for Florida Gulf Coast and mm-hmm. uh, I think they, they just have a really good program over there so I wasn't necessarily surprised by them beating Washington State, they beat about by double digits. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought it'd be a closer game. Uh, also, Mississippi State over Creighton. A lot of people don't realize Mississippi State as a team they average like seventy-five points per game as a team mm-hmm.
3: uh, over the mm-hmm. over the
2: regular season. They mm-hmm. can score the basketball, right? So I wasn't necessarily surprised them putting up eighty-one. They're like that's around their season average against a Creighton team who really they don't necessarily have um, the athletes. Uh, to sort of keep up with uh, with Mississippi State, uh, so I wasn't necessarily surprised with that. Uh, to me, the most impressive wins were obviously Ole Miss over Stanford. I thought that was yes. absolutely amazing because amazing. in the women's game, and I think this is a lot. This is why a lot of people, unfortunately don't really pay and, and and when i say people i mean like national media everybody mm-hmm. they don't necessarily pay attention to women's basketball the way they do men's basketball yeah because a lot of people complain that it's not a lot of parody right like for instance we've seen now in the ncaa men's tournament in the history of the tournament we've seen two instances where 16 is beaten a one
3: yeah that has ne- that sure. will
2: never happen in women's at least for the foreseeable no. future right yeah. So mm-hmm. an eight beating a one, like, that's something that doesn't happen. Like, it just, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, it's the equivalent of a 16 beating a one. I was one so
0: happy list. for them and their coach. Like, yep. what an amazing victory for them. Oh, um, I was really, I'm really, yeah, I was really excited to see that. But in terms of the first round, it wasn't anything. But what I thought was some, was was interesting, not interesting, but not a surprise, but people were really peeved about it, is when South Carolina was taken off the air on <laughs> <laughs> and they put, you know, they briefly put on uh, Caitlin Clark, but then they went to flip to another game because you know the first day there's so many games on. We yeah, know who's winning this one, but it was like yeah. taking off the defending champions. But I just thought that was, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. When we look also, when we look at the women's side, um, what did you think of? Is there any like any any team that you thought would have? Had a better outing they won. they may have won but you're like like i I was expecting a little more did you see anything like that indiana they Mm -hmm. lost to miami i was wondering if you were going to say indiana
2: yeah and so it's funny because the last two games i've seen indiana play they've been they've lost in horrible fashion Mm -hmm. at the end Mm -hmm. of the season in their conference tournament where they played iowa caitlin clark hit the crazy ridiculous off balance three to beat them at the buzzer. And then I was watching this game when Miami beat them by two. And like yeah. I said, a nine overall. I was happy is, for Miami
0: though, because that's a I'm hell of a win for Miami. them.
2: Yeah. yeah. Listen, they got two twins, the Cavender twins.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
2: despite all of the other stuff that they're in the news for and stuff like that, they can play.
3: Mm-hmm. They can,
2: they mm-hmm. can really, they can really, really play. Uh, and both of them pretty much showed out against Indiana. I mean, it was it was pretty embarrassing. But um, but yeah, I would say probably Indiana because they were a one, and they deserved to be a one. It wasn't one of those instances where they were a one because they uh. had maybe were in a weak conference. They deserved to be a one. Mackenzie Holmes, who's their best player, had an amazing season. She was average. She was she was averaging twenty one and nine on better than fifty percent shooting, a block and a half game. Like she 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 was amazing throughout the entire regular season, and to come up short the way they did as a number 1 in the greenville 2 uh bracket it's just that was very very disappointing uh, i'm not going to lie to you uh stanford losing like i said because of the way they lost i wasn't necessarily too i wasn't i wasn't too disappointed in them necessarily because... no Ole
0: Miss you know you, you you know you give them a shot of yeah. winning the game it's gonna be a, it's gonna be <laughs> that game is gonna be an ugly game like you know because it's not gonna be like one of those games where you see 80 points or somebody like going off with you know scoring because Ole Miss don't play that exactly. but I was I was I'm, I was so happy for them to get that win yeah. You know, what do you think of South Carolina's dominance, how they sh- they showed in both games? Like, who do you think could give them a shot? Like, if you look. <laughs>
3: okay. Um,
0: anybody, you know, messing with them at all? Oh, man. Old Miss, if they get up there, if, if Old Miss has played South Carolina, you know, like, what, three, four? You know, they played them.
2: They have.
0: And they may have. And they gave you know they took them to overtime.
2: Yeah, they did. They took them to so overtime. So they may, themselves.
0: if they make it, pat you know, if they make it to the you know like you, they make it to play them, that could be that could be interesting because they I think they know how to defend South Carolina.
2: But so the only way they would be able to, well, this is the thing, right? Ole Miss would have to first beat Louisville.
0: Oh and yeah, Louis, and would. I don't Kelly Louisville, would. Haley Vanleth and, and those and yeah. <laughs> yep. <I don't>
2: <laughs> They'll be able to get past Louisville, but if they somehow do get past Louisville, they're probably either going to have to play co- Colorado or Iowa. And yeah. if that's the case, I don't think they're getting past them. Yeah, the team I think that can give South Carolina the most run for their money is, is Maryland. Yeah, I think Maryland has the ability. Diamond Miller, I think, is one of the most underrated players in college basketball. Yes. Abby Myers is a senior guard on that team. She's one of the most underrated players in women's college basketball, right? Um, And I think Maryland has had, and this is really for the men's and the women's side, because for the men and the women, preseason picks, the women were ranked, I think maybe 15th or 16th. And they were able to move all the way up to like being like a top four seed in the regular season, which made them a top two in Mm -hmm. the NCAA tournament. So they improved over the second part of the season so much. So did the men the men improved as well so I think both programs are doing some really really good things over there in college pop uh, but yeah I love Diamond Miller man when Andrew Reese left her game just flourished
0: oh yeah I, I, I knew she was good, was good before I didn't know she was this good yeah. to
2: be completely honest with you and she's been amazing and I think the way they play I think you know they like to get up and down uh they can stretch the floor because Diamond Miller has the ability to step out Hit the 15-18 footage. You can also uh, score on the inside. You got, got, uh, you got uh, players like Abby Myers. They have the ability to stretch the floor, and I think they would give you know Zaya Cook and Leah Boston and all of them. I think those players would give them a run for their money. I'm not saying they would win, but I'm saying it'll it be, it'll be,
0: it'll be, it'll be a, it'll be a contest. It'll I think be it like would about, be a contest. I think yeah. it would
2: definitely be a contest. Other than that, we've already seen LSU try. And they got yeah. demolished. I was very disappointed in that. That <laughs> was very disappointed because at the time both of them were undefeated. So I'm like, this is going to be a great game. Yeah, that
0: was like, I was yeah. Down. in the tournament this year, it's going to be interesting. How far do you see LSU going? Uh, I've got LSU in the final four.
2: Yeah, got LSU in the final four. I think LSU is going to beat Utah, right? And I think they're going to beat whoever wins between Miami and Villanova. Yeah. Um, although Villanova has a bucket. Her name is Maddie Segrist. She actually led the NCAA uh-huh. in scoring this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Caitlin Clark led in scoring last year. Maddie Segrist, who's a go- who's she plays the guard and forward position for Villanova. She's a bucket. But, man, LSU has too many defenders, man. Angel Reese's, I mean, she's a double double machine. Um, the only bad game she really had this year was against South Carolina. Every yeah. every other game she's had, she's been dominant. She's something so. else.
0: Watching her play in the coming in the coming years is going to be, I mean, I love watching her play. She's mm-hmm. something else on the floor. UConn, yeah. Um, they did not have Paige Beckers this year. Oh. Another injury. Yeah. Um, she's still going to be like a top pick next year. So, yeah. but with. Yukon, I am not the biggest Gino fan, but I have to say I admit if he can get Yukon to the final four, he will get props from me.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I think he, I think he would deserve it. I think Gino has taken not a lot of flack over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Because I think people are starting to realize that I think I think people are maybe starting to like him a John Kyle Perry, like so for instance. Mm-hmm. There was a time mm-hmm. when we thought John Calipari was a great coach, and then we mm-hmm. maybe realized that, you know what, he may be a good, He I don't think he's a great coach, but he's a great recruiter,
3: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's the
2: thing about college that's different than the NBA. In the NBA, you don't got to recruit. All you got to do is coach because guys are coming in and, you know, it it it's like a feeder system, right, from college and other places with college, you got to go to these prospects house. You got to go to where they live. You got to meet with their parents. You got to meet with the people that they love the most. He can say he's a salesman. He's
3: yeah, dedicated. you have to be
2: a salesman as well. You have to sell your program. I think Gino, because of the early success he had, right, and also the, the, the players that he had and, and, and all the success stories, it made it very easy for them to sell the program, right? And I think we've kind of given Gino say, we've kind of said, you know what, Gino, you're a great recruiter. We don't know if you're a great coach, but you're a really, really great recruiter because of the people and the players you've been able to not only bring through your program, but push to the next level. And then we see what they've been able to do at the next level, right? Um, I think if he gets this team to the Final Four, that would be amazing. I mean, listen, Aliyah Edwards is no slouch.
3: Mm-hmm. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. She's been amazing. She's been one of the most slept on forwards in the nation. And obviously they got AZ Fudd, She's from Delaware.
0: Yeah, yeah. Delaware's yep.
2: close to Maryland. I'm in Maryland, by the way. I was hearing about her when she was in high school. She was putting on shows locally out here. It was, it, mm-hmm. was, it was ridiculous. So so I but with them and also with you know Gino coaching, I think they got a live chance to get to the uh to get to the final four. And if they do that, I will give them props. However, I don't think they're gonna get to the final four. That's just me, because I think they're gonna lose to Virginia Tech in the Elite Eight. I got them beating Ohio State. Virginia Tech is playing Tennessee, I believe, and I got Virginia Tech beating them in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. So okay, okay, okay.
1: Now, how do you, from a draft perspective, you know, I think men can win and lose games in NCAA tournament, and you know they'll still get some good looks. Ja Morant, whatever, you know, it's, there's some exceptions. Do you think it's the same in women's basketball? How sensitive to uh draft status to winning and losing games is that dynamic in the NCAA women's tournament because you oh, yeah. have Stanford take a loss. Like yeah. does that impact any potential draft? Mm-hmm. Or let's say UConn or let's say, you know, because now you you know I I get the sense that it's a little bit different than the men, but I just don't know how.
2: How would you characterize yeah. the sensitivity around so I think it's not... I think because the women... Because they don't have the ability to come out early, yeah. they're more beholden to their programs. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it's it's more about the way they conduct themselves and the way they play in a losing effort, right? Like, okay. for instance, I don't think Haley Jones and Cameron Brink's draft status, if they decide to come out, I believe... No, I believe Cameron Brink's a junior, so she's not coming out. I believe Haley Jones is a senior.
0: She's a senior.
2: Yeah. Um. I think the way she played... Throughout the entirety of the year, it may drop her draft status a little bit. But let's say, for instance, one of the top, some of the top players, Caitlin Clark, Leah Boston, Angel Reese. Let's just say either three of those oh, oh, women had bad outings in their next games. Yep, that that's not going to drop their draft status at all, right? No. Because they, they, they have, they because they, they have three. Well, Caitlin Clark has three plus years. Aaliyah Boston has four plus years. Angel Reese has two dominant years of of a sample size to show that okay. You know, these players are dominant. They have the ability to be dominant. They may have had a bad showing Mm -hmm. or a bad game. Like I said, this isn't a series, right? It's a game in the NCAA tournament, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't need them. And now with the popularity of the WNBA growing each and every year, which I think is an awesome thing, uh, the visibility is only gonna get uh, more widespread. So you're going to need those transcendental stars coming from the college system to go to a, an Indiana, the Indiana yep. physical, who've been struggling lately, right? You mm-hmm. know you, you, you're going to need that, right? And so I don't think a general manager of a WNBA team is going to say, "Well, Caitlin Clark had a bad outing in the NCAA tournament." I don't know if we should take Different her because guess Caitlin
0: what? Entirely, yeah. When Caitlin yeah.
2: Clark gets to the WNBA, the way she's she's hitting. uh, 30-foot threes and stuff like that, and the crowd's going crazy at Iowa, she's going to be doing that for whatever franchise she gets drafted to. Same thing with Aaliyah, same thing with Angel, same thing with Maddie Segrist. Mackenzie Holmes had a bad outing against Well, he, she plays for Indiana. If she decides to come out, I believe she's a senior. She'll get drafted as well. It's not going to necessarily negatively affect her draft status. Um, just like the men. Like, we've seen... Listen, Lonzo Ball, the year he got, before he got drafted, they got embarrassed in the NCAA tournament right that didn't affect his draft status at all right Mm -hmm. De'Aaron Fox when him and Bam played for Kentucky together that didn't affect their draft status right so I mean it just depends I think it's more individualized right it's the same way in which Devin Booker was able to be a lottery pick he was the top he was one of the top picks however he never started at Kentucky
1: yeah that's right he averaged
2: about what he averaged nine points off the bench Right. So it's like when you think about it from that perspective, it's like, OK, it's less about the team and it's more about is this person a pro level player? Right. Because there have been a lot of great college players individually and it doesn't necessarily translate to the pros. I can think of a couple. JJ was the man in college. He was the journeyman and the role player in the NBA. Adam Morrison. We all remember him. He was amazing in college. He was less than a journeyman in the NBA. Markel Fultz. When he was at Washington, he he led the league and he led the nation in scoring. I know people may not believe that because they look at what Marco Fultz is now. But when he was in college, he oh, led the NCAA scoring. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so it just depends on the individual talent, really. So yeah, that's what I would say.
0: I was All curious right. about when you look at Caitlin Clark. We had a discussion on Hootspaces spaces about Caitlin Clark. We're not going to be new the Caitlin Clark uh, Maya Moore comparison on this <laughs> on 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 this podcast this evening. But what I will say is Caitlin, on the offensive end, is amazing to watch. I get the James Harden kind of comparison, Steph Curry um, comparisons. I do think that she's a great offensive player. They're going to have something for her when she gets to the W, though. Oh, but gosh. she's going to be scoring. But they, they, are <laughs> they gonna, they're to they're gonna put they, they're gonna be seeking her. sure about that Malika? Her, you, sure? you know. Like, you know how you you're a rookie entering the league? Like, and you, you know, you want Ryan Howard came in and she was, she's been doing she her thing. Moving. But I, but I just think that, you know, I love Caitlin, watching Caitlin Clark. I just think the defenses are going to try to figure her out and they may not be able to. But how, how far do you see Iowa going? I've got them, I've got them in the final four. Oh, you do? I believe have Stanford, Iowa. so that's, you know, like, so, you know. like. Okay, so give, me, um,
1: give me your final four in women's again Oh, yeah, it? so
0: I got South Carolina, LSU, okay.
2: uh, Iowa, and Virginia Tech.
0: I have yeah. South Carolina. I had Stanford. I have LSU and UConn. And
2: UConn, yeah. I'm not mad at that. I think Virginia Tech has been slept on all year. Uh, they have a big, they have a, full, they have a center by the name of Elizabeth Kitley. She's probably one of the most underrated centers. I would say probably, yeah, probably one of the most underrated centers. Probably behind Anissa Morrow, who plays for DePaul, who's ridiculous. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, if you get a chance to look her up, look her up because she is amazing. But um, you don't think but, Ole Miss gets past? You don't think Ole Miss gets past Louisville? No, I don't.
3: We have and to I like talk about
0: Louisville. We have to talk about a um, Louisville versus um, Texas last night.
2: I loved it i love the smoke i loved it man i loved
0: it but my thing is Haley van lift i feel like it's been playing so long Mm -hmm. that it's like you know she should be in the pros by now like if 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 this if the men's were like the women's game Haley van lift would have came out as a freshman because she was you know caitlin clark has all the smoke now she has all the you know like you know but Haley van lift is her and i know people are starting to hate those him, he's him, he's her terms. But no, Haley Van Lift is that chick. And so I thought it was, and she talks smack on the court. And, you know, like, and it's interesting um it. l- looking at that, you know, the player Sonia Morris, she also, she, you know, remember, you know, she beat. Uh, Louisville beat her team by 50 points on the last team. So they have, I think it was DePaul. So I, you know, I gotta look up who she played. I gotta look up, you know, I think it was DePaul. And if, and mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Sorry, people. Charge it to my heart. Um, but she beat them by 50. And that not she, but Louisville. So then in this game, you know, you know, Haley Valens was talking all game, and you know, beating them by 22. Yep. Um She, you know, like. I'm sure she was pissed off, but Haley Hailey Van Liff, um, you know, I think she comes out next year, not this year. Yeah, um, not
2: this year. I think she comes out next
0: year. Doesn't it feel like she's been playing a long time? Is it just me? I think because she, you know, we started hearing about her in high school. And yeah. maybe a little bit, I think, yeah, but it feels... Same like, thing
2: with Paige. Same thing same with thing Paige.
0: Same thing with Paige. Yeah, I agree. I agree. How far do you have Louisville going? Do you have them coming out at the eighth? The I've
2: got them I've got them going to the so I've got them beating um beating Ole Miss, right? But I think they're going to lose to the winner of Colorado, Iowa. I got Iowa do I got Iowa winning that. So I got Iowa beating Louisville. Um I honestly think Haley Van Lith Haley Van Lith and Caitlin Clark from a scoring perspective have the same mentality. The difference is Caitlin Clark is an elite passer. An elite playmaker. I'm gonna give you a stat. What? Right? So and i was uh and i was uh win against georgia it was a pretty close game 74-66 in the second half Caitlin clark assisted or scored meaning she directly scored or she assisted on 81% of Iowa's offense or 81% of their points she had 14 points and i believe eight assists in the second half and she did not sit the entire game she didn't she didn't sit the entire second half and i believe she only had one turnover Right, so I mean, she's an elite playmaker, not only an elite scorer, an elite playmaker. Last year, she led the NCAA in scoring and assists in both. <laughs> right, I mean, I mean, so Hanley Van Lys scored score the basketball, but she's not the playmaker of Caitlin Clark. Here. So I think when they go up against each other, honestly, I think it's going to be a wash. And I think Monica Cesano, who's the forward for Iowa, she's a she's a solid forward. She averaged about 19 and 10 this year. I think she's gonna be able to overwhelm the interior defenders of uh, Louisville. You know, that's who I got in that in that matchup. But I love Haley Van Lith. I agree. If it's, it's a lot of women like that, right? If it was the same as the men, you think we would have seen Angel Reese pass one year? No. She would have been gone.
0: Right? No. Same with Paige. <laughs> yeah. one, same with Paige i mean oh i is this not enough spots in the w like it's just yeah. not enough spots and that is an issue before we get out of here i have to get your thoughts ronnie james and juju are about to you know go to college i think Juju's going to usc yeah and i don't think Ronnie has announced where he's going people are or, saying he's going to try to stay in california but we don't know should he go to ohio should he go to ohio state
2: oh uh, ohio state oh. So, I believe Bronny James is a he's a junior or senior? Senior,
0: he comes out. like He, he, he comes out, okay.
2: Okay, so this is going to be something, because I think whatever program that gets him, their recruiting class will be built around him, for obvious reasons, right? Like, if I am a director of athletic uh, basketball operations at a university, a major university, and I'm in the Bronny James sweepstakes, you know what I'm saying? Can we get a verbal commitment? awesome can we get an official commitment that's even better now now that we got him that's going to dictate our team moving forward because i'm not going to be the guy that has lebron james son on my team and he's sitting on the bench oh he's playing behind you know senior guards and stuff that's not going to happen i'm sorry it just isn't because you have to think about the long-term sort of viability of your program and having a guy like bronny james who has the father he has. And he's shown so much support. LeBron James has missed Lakers games. Mind you, the Lakers are in playoff, they're in a playoff push right now. Although he's not mm-hmm. playing, his influence is much needed on that sideline. He's missed Lakers games to go watch his son play. High school games. What do you think he's going to do in college? Mm-hmm. He's going mm-hmm. to be front row at whatever college <laughs> his son decides to go be to. to be
1: on TV. You're going to be all your NIL NIL packages are gonna be tough. It's gonna be crazy. That that man goes to. Yeah. The good. visibility like will go.
0: Ronnie, up. How is this game? Like, how would you rate his game?
2: Like Oh my gosh. Um, he's improved so much. He's improved so mm-hmm. much. So we've been seeing him for like probably the past three, four years. Just you know, yeah. little clips here and there. I think one, he kind of he's kinda grown into his body. I believe he's about six four. Um, he's probably he's a better shooter, outside shooter than LeBron was at his age. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's the athletic ability isn't quite there, but he has very good playmaking ability, much like his father. And he's a very good defender. Like that's the one thing people are saying he could defend, especially point of and attack That's, good.
0: that's I haven't. I have to admit I haven't seen a lot of Bronny. I haven't watched a lot of Bronny. I'm gonna watch. Yeah, the he can defend him the basketball. But uh, who other- do you think he gave his verbal commit to? A California school, or USC, something like that, or UCLA? So
2: I think because of the way I think their family is, like I said, he's not a regular high school kid coming out. He's not,
0: but he had to have give a verbal commit to somebody by now. It's just that it's not out there yet.
2: Yeah, it's not out there. So, I mean, I would probably either say USC or Ohio State. Ohio State for obvious reasons, because obviously Mm -hmm. that's home base. USC, because I think they had the ability to take him on. And not necessarily sacrifice his game. I think if you try to expand this like a UCLA or something like that, UCLA has guys that he's gonna be sitting behind. Yeah. And like I said, I don't think he's gonna, <laughs> I don't right. think he's uh he's going to want to sit behind anybody. And I don't think as a program, it would be very smart for me to bring LeBron James' eldest son in our program, where LeBron James is gonna be at our games and having his son sit the bench it's just it just like from a from a money business it just wouldn't make sense right so i think it's either going to be and usc has the ability to take him on and allow him to start because they have a lot of guys that believe him, right so i would probably go out to go usc or probably uh, ohio state because ohio state was okay this year but i mean and i wouldn't think ohio state uh i
1: get why people would tie lebron to that but that's not bronnie and his brother they didn't grow up they didn't grow up in ohio that's true that's true on the road ever since he left and went to miami yeah. he's
3: had
1: his high school years in sierra canyon uh but the other upper hand i give him above most other players much like i give patrick mahomes steph curry mm-hmm. they're coming from a pedigree of a family yep. knows how to prepare your body for the nba oh yeah like,
3: very hey, true like,
1: forget his talent forget no. whether or not he can shoot and make a jump shot he's built to last 82 games in the season he's been Broncos. on the road he plays with NBA players mm-hmm. like, not like quality NBA players not G League players yep playing with his pops when they do summer leagues and camps he's played with KD he's played with Trey uh, uh, Ice Trey he done played with all of those guys
2: mm-hmm. and That's just think about hand. what's gonna happen
3: That's a number this hand.
2: year this offseason we're gonna see a lot of Bronny yep right He's got, mm-hmm. I think the Rico Hines runs that they run in California in the summertime, mm-hmm. he's going to be doing a lot of that. He may, he may even do some of the black ops basketball stuff with Chris Brickley in New York. Mm-hmm. A lot of pros mm-hmm. running that. He's going to be LeBron's going to give him every, regardless of how the Lakers season ends. That's right.
3: That's LeBron right.
2: is going to give him every possible opportunity to try to get him as ready for college as he possibly can be by by putting him in the atmosphere of playing with NBA level players. Which is only gonna make him better, right? And you're learning from the best. So you, uh, Brandon, you, you brought up uh, the ability to prepare your body. Who's in the modern era has done that better than LeBron James?
3: That's Being right. able to keep Very your body true. fresh,
2: stay healthy, no
3: stay durable the for the most part. At
2: all, and
1: Just or, in the house,
3: what yeah. they're
1: eating in the house every day. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. All the treatments, he's like, bro, I, I see what this is like. I see my sleep schedule. Like, those little things and we had a another podcast where another guy is a trainer and he was talking about the biggest difference is guys that are prepared like young kids typically aren't prepared body-wise and mentally for the next level even though we see the best players in college like
2: are you nba ready (laughs) yeah man i think it's a that's that's definitely a conversation that we need to have more of and i think Bronny is probably going to be the he's gonna he, ha, he has the biggest advantage right because of who his dad is right and uh and, and, and the advantages and some of the uh knowledge that his dad is probably already imparted on him and will continue to do as he goes forth you know mm-hmm. so it's gonna be an interesting thing to see I can't wait to see how it unfolds but my prediction I think Bronny is probably gonna stay in California and we're yeah. gonna see a lot of him block the summer I think we're yeah, gonna we see are- him all over our social media
0: and Doing we're going to see a lot runs. of him when he plays um, as well. Yep. <laughs> when he plays in, in, in college for the NCAA. We oh, want to yeah. thank you for coming through, E.K. Um, this was so smooth and so great. We're going to try to kick this out as quick as we can. But really appreciate your time and you stopping by. Uh, me and E.K., Brandon, we have something special coming, but we'll let you know about that later. Um, but I'm excited about it. Um I can't wait to dig dig deep into what we're about to get into in terms of some college um, hoops history. But thanks oh, yeah. for stopping by, AK. Um, Thank you, guys. It. And um, you have a good night. Looking forward to tomorrow night's games. Like, we're recording the night before um, the, six, the uh, sixteen Sweet 16. So this yep. is recording in place. So looking forward to um, the Sweet 16 this weekend. And let's get it.
1: Yes, yeah. it's going to be. Where do you go?
0: Where great.
2: can people find you? Oh, so you can find me on Instagram at coalition.hoops and also on Twitter at Coalition Hoops. Uh, both platforms, I provide analysis on NBA and women's and men's college basketball, um, as well as other basketball, like I said, FIBA and also the Athletes Unlimited Pro Hoops League um for the women as well so you can find me on those platforms and once again thank you guys so much for having me on the hoops and huddles podcast i truly truly appreciate the opportunity and i hope you guys have a wonderful night have a great weekend enjoy all the basketball that's going on because this is the best time of the year to be a basketball fan it's truly awesome thank you guys no doubt. thank, thank you. you appreciate it all right have yeah, a good you guys night. have a good one
0: all right bye Well, thanks to EK for stopping by and talking some March Madness with us. We got into some men's um, tournaments, some women's tournament. And we looked at who we saw in the Final Four, who we saw winning the whole thing. I'm excited about March Madness every year. So thanks to EK Coalition Hoops for stopping by and just kicking it with us for that.
1: Yeah, a lot of insight, very knowledgeable about the game. Uh, Definitely somebody we should have. Yes. Some of our other shows, and we, you know, we talk WNBA stuff. He can bring a lot of insight we there.
0: every, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He's definitely dialed in to what's it going was, on. It was
0: thorough. College. It was thorough. Absolutely,
1: um, absolutely,
0: absolutely. that yeah, from a
1: legends perspective, what, what yeah. Here,
0: got? yeah, here on the Hoops and Huddle, we celebrate our legends, and for this episode, we are going to wish and say, rest in peace to the great Willis Reed. He was a, of course, a member of the Naismith Hall of Fame, and he's a member of the College um, Basketball Hall of Fame. He was inducted in 2006. Let's also note, he's a two-time NBA champion, so he has both championships for the Knicks. Um, They really haven't won a championship since then, since 1973. So he was the last player in a Knick uniform, one of the last players you know that championship team in 1970 let's check out his year for 1970 he won the nba championship he won the nba finals mvp the nba most valuable player he was the nba all-star game mvp he was a member of the all-nba first team and also a member of the all defensive first team like this man, one of the very few to do it, he was a member of the NBA anniversary teams for the 50th and 75th year. He played for the Knicks from 1964 to 1974. He was a coach for them for a season from 77 to 78, um, coached at Creighton. Um, he was an assistant with the Hawks and the Kings, and he was a head coach with our Nets um, for a season so rest in peace to willis reed um okay. the hoop world will never forget you we we will always um remember you and your legacy will forever be here um so thank you to willis reed rest okay. in
1: peace rest in peace my guy thank you malika it's always fun uh doing these shows with you and they're just going to get better and better and better as we uh kick out some more content so i appreciate it always a pleasure Uh, looking forward to the next
3: one
0: yeah i'm looking forward to the next one next week definitely check us out uh we got some more coming at you so thank you for checking us out today and um you know see you guys next time hoops and all and we are out
3: do it